It's the Harland Highway Podcast. How are you, my friends? Okay, that was a bit aggressive. Um, how are you, everybody? Harland Williams here. You are riding down the Harland Highway. Welcome to the podcast. I am your hostess. Yeah, I'm feeling feminine today, so I'm your hostess. Uh, great show today. Uh, professor Rutherford Grimes, a professor from Berkeley up in California, is going to be calling in to discuss the uh, the low-rated Oscars, the historically low-rated Oscars this year. I'll also be giving a little commentary on the uh, the low-rated Oscars. Um, also uh, going to be talking about uh, guns. Uh, we, we had a pavement pounder call in talking about, uh, you know, the, the Florida shooting. We're going to do a bit of a follow-up on that and, and the gun problem and the school security problem and all that stuff. Yeah, crazy. And then uh, also uh, we had a, a pavement pounder call in and she, she was like, man, I miss Aunt Ruthie. So I think we have a, uh, a call from Aunt Ruthie. A voice message from Aunt Ruthie that we're going to be playing. See what she's up to. And then also we're going to have a uh, Harlan Gets Pissed Off uh, episode. There's something that happens on my computer that really makes me angry. And you're going to hear me rant about it. All today on Harland Highway Podcast. This is the Harland Highway. I have an announcement to make. You are about to go down the Harland Highway. Lock the door. I don't want to be a product of my environment. Shut up! I want my environment to be a product of me. You're riding down the Harland Highway. So, who do I have to fuck to get off this phone? I can get you off. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Ah, you're a cantaloupe. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway Show. I'm ashamed, Big Daddy. That's why I'm a drunk. When I'm drunk, I can stand myself. Keep leaning on that tutor, Charlie, and you're going to get a shot in the mouth. Act like a man. What's the matter with you? I wasn't really sure what was going on. You're listening to Harlan Williams. The rest is bullshit and you know it. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Dude, you do what the fuck out the window. <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my god, you're insane. This is so great. Thank you so much. Later. Well, I, I threw what the f out the window. Yes, I I, I do that kind of every podcast, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know what segment you were referring to, so whatever it was, whatever made you laugh, that's fine with me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was in reference to, but uh, that was just one of the many uh, pavement pounders that puts in a phone call to the to the Harland Highway hotline. And uh, I, I, I'll take it, man. I, I just love it that it something that I put on the show made you laugh. So good for you. Um, thank you. And uh, I'm glad. You, I'm by the way, I'm glad you can laugh because I'm a little pissed off at something, and maybe I'm not in such a chirpy mood. Yeah, uh, yours truly, Harland, is just a little bit pissed off. Don't. This is Harland Williams. And you're really pissing me off. Oh, you're starting to piss me off, you little pigless son bitch. You pissed me off. Shut up! You're pissing me off. These fucking assholes, this fuck these fucking assholes! The fuck is their problem, man? Okay, you, you want to know what's pissing me off? Here, here it is. T two little words. Well, let me ask you if you've ever heard these words before, okay? Tot he. Yeah, have you ever, you ever heard those words? T-O-T, that's one word, and then H-E. Tot he. Have you heard them? Have you seen them? Because I've seen them so much I want to scream, I want to smash my computer. 
You know what taught he is, ladies and Nurgle Glurgans? Taught he is supposed to be to the. Okay, that's supposed to be the two words. To, T-O, second word, T-H-E. But somehow when I write on my computer, when I write emails, when I'm writing letters, when I'm doing writing, I don't know what it is. I don't know if my fingers are dyslexic. I don't know if I'm moving too fast, if I'm not thinking right. But I always somehow read back my copy. And instead of saying to the, it says taught he. You see what's happening here? I'm putting the T at the end of two. Instead of putting the T at the beginning of the, and it is pissing me off. This is not something that just happens here and there. This happens almost every single time I write a damn thing on my computer. I'm so pissed off, taught he. Taught he. Where? How would you even use that in a sentence? The, the tightrope walker found the cable to be very taut. He did. Taught he. Come on. It's just, oh, it's just, it drives me nuts. And I, I don't know, I don't know why I do it. I don't know how I do it. I, I don't think about doing it, but it, it's like there's like a taught he elf somewhere. And every time I go back and look at anything I wrote, oh, there's another one. Taught he. There he is. Uh, hey, uh, Jim, let's taught he to the mall later. Uh, I think I'll, uh, I'll uh, you know, taught he to the car dealership. You know, wh what the hell? Ugh. I'm thinking they just, maybe they should just make new words for the dictionary. You know, they're always putting new words in the dictionary. How about taught he? Oh, it's annoying. And, and while I'm at it, while I'm riffing on the computer, okay? Yeah, that's me. I'm blaming it all on the computer. It's not me, ladies and nargle nurgans. It's the computer that's making me, me write taught he. How about the caps button? How many times have I written a whole sentence, big, long, important sentence, and I look up at my screen and boom, it's all in caps. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then you got to delete it or you got to do something. You got to highlight it. You got to change it. You got to like, oh, my God. Why can't there be a little signal? Here's, here's the next wave in computer genius, okay? Let's have a little button that flashes or a little, a little noise. Ding! So when you are going into capital mode... Okay, on your on your computer, when you're in higher case, there's a little signal, a little warmth, because many of us stare down at our keyboard or we're staring at the wall or we're trying on a bikini. I don't know what we're doing when we're writing. But a lot of the time I don't remember or I've accidentally hit the cap lock button. And all of a sudden, I've written like half of a letter in uh, uppercase capitals. And I'm this close to taught heing my computer to the garbage can. I'm going to taught he the computer into the garbage. Taught he. The English teacher taught he, the boy in the back who was always quiet, how to spell correctly. Now, the fact that I'm using taught he in sentences is not making me happy. So there you go. That, there's where I'm pissed off. I had to get it out of my system. The taught he. And, and by the way, I also, while I'm at it, I'll throw this one in here. I, I put S's on the end of thank. Okay, instead of thank you, I, I very often somehow put an S on there. Thanks you. Thanks you very much. Like, why? Can there not be some kind of Siri? We've got Siri that talks about it. Can't Siri just come on and go, you're spelling like an idiot again, stupid? Oh, thank you, Siri. Don't you mean thanks you, stupid? Ah! So there you go. That's it. I got it out of my system. 
Maybe Harlan Williams is no longer pissed off. One cheeseburger with everything coming up. Hello? Hello? Hey, Harlan, love your show. I was just listening to your recent podcast, and, and you're really upset about this Florida thing. And, and you think you got an answer. I, I don't think you got an answer. I think having security at the door, the guy with the big, big assault rifle, he's just going to walk up from his car for however he got dropped off at school or wherever he got to school and just start shooting, shooting into the doorway. You take out the, the guards at the doorway and you walk into the school and do your damage. We live in a country that loves their guns. As long as we got our guns, we got a few nuts out there, this is going to keep happening. That's just the way it is. It's going to keep happening. There's nothing we can do about it. People are crazy. People have guns. They're going to do it. I wish I had an answer. I don't think we do. The answer is hope and pray you're not in the line of fire. That's the answer. But anyway, I, I think it's great you're trying to solve the problem. It's not a solution. It's, it's just not. All right. Chicken chow mein, man. Okay. Well, thank you for the call. You know, as always, I respect everybody's point of view, everybody's opinion, but I, I'm in also respectfully disagree, good sir. <laughs> uh, listen, to do nothing is not an option. To just hope and pray is not an option. If you do nothing, nothing happens. That, that's a mathematical equation. Nothing from nothing equals nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You got to do something if you want to be with me. Uh, but in all seriousness, there's there's a lot of things you can do. Okay, let's take your point about if we had security guards at the front of the building, okay, and as you said, the shooter walks up and blows away the security guards. Well, God bless us, we might lose a few security guards, but guess what? Guns make a lot of noise, and that's going to get a lot of attention, and so you're going to see the shooter shooting before he gets inside the building. And that's where the real problem is. Once the shooter's inside the building, it's like a minnow trap in there, man. It, it's pandemonium. People don't know what to, what to do. They don't have any warning. So, you know, if you have guards out front, you know, there's probably not going to be a lot of barriers between a guard and the street. So the shooter's going to have to either have to hide in the bushes and sniper these guards, or he's going to have to come running out of a truck or a car, guns a-blazing. So at least maybe the guards will have a chance to fire back. You also have to imagine that the guards are, are wearing bulletproof gear, so that could also uh, be an inhibitor. That could give the guard more of a chance to shoot back. And if there's multiple guards, you know, plus if the guards have like a guard house or they've got some kind of uh, concrete or, or steel barrier, I don't think we're just going to have a guard standing there like, you know, like, look, like looking like he's waiting for a bus. And so at least you have a, a barrier, okay? At least you've got one line of defense before they get into the school. And I'm willing to bet that that in at least 50% of the cases, if your predictions are true, maybe the, the, the shooters just blast right through these guards. But I bet 50% of the time they don't. And also, uh, if, if, if they do start shooting up the guards, there's going to be a lot of gunfire because the guards are going to be shooting back. And that's going to attract the attention of everyone in the school. They'll run to the window. They'll see them. It might give them time to lock the doors might give them time to put up barricades. It might give them time to hide. And then I dare say we equip the schools with a very simple storm shutter. Have you ever seen a storm shutter? They have them down in Florida for the hurricanes. You know what they are? It's like, it's like a little garage door. And sometimes you see them on, on stores and in busy cities like Los Angeles and New York. There's these, there's these, uh, these guards that come down. They roll down. They're, they're on motors. They're motorized, and they just go, 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 and they roll down in front of windows and doors, and they're metal, and a guy could shoot 500 holes in one, but he couldn't walk through it because all he can do is put holes in it. And so why can't we on the first floor of every school? See, I think I might have found a solution right here. 
if you can keep the shooter from getting in, you lower those those uh, those shutters, those metal shutters, and the school's on lockdown. Unless the, unless the shooter has a ladder and can get up to the second floor, you know what I'm saying? And again, that's only a solution if if the shooter is spotted. But let's go into the school. Let's say the shooter gets into the school. What can we do? Is there a way we can put barricades on the doors? You, you remember what they did with the cockpit doors on, on 9-11? Remember that? All of a sudden, they made impenetrable cockpit doors. They used to just be open willy-nilly. Anyone could walk in. That's what they did at 9-11. The terrorists walked into the cockpit and, and commandeered the, the plane. Well, that's the same in a school. It's full of classrooms and doors. And, and, and if, if they install an impenetrable door, which is, is foolproof to get open, and, and if, if the shooter's really determined, see, the thing about these shooters, they like to keep moving, apparently. From everything I've seen, they like to just walk down the hall shooting. Boom, boom. They don't just stop and stand there. And if they had a door that was bulletproof and bolted from the inside and was as secure as a cockpit door, well, they're not going to waste five minutes standing there just trying to shoot one door open. How hard is it to make those types of doors for the schools? And, and even if some of the kids maybe get caught in the hallway and they can't get into a classroom in time, well, I, I hate to be morbid, but I'd rather see seven kids killed then 75 kids killed. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to have deaths, let's try and limit it as much as we can, God willing. I, I don't want anyone to die. You know? So so here's me just spitballing. I'm, I'm just making this up as I'm going, and already I've come up with some solutions. And, 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 and if we sit there and take that attitude, well, there's nothing you can do. There's nuts everywhere and, and you're never going to stop the guns. Well, you're never going to stop the guns and the killers. If you don't think about how you stop them, you know, we got a, we got people to the moon, baby. We, we, we've, we've cured diseases. We've, we've, we've cured cancer. We've, we've cured all kinds of things. We've, we've created motorcycles and, and, and cars and fax machines and cell phones. And you're telling me we can't, the, the, the collective human race can't figure a way how to, how to uh, shut down a school or somehow uh, detect a shooter and, and stop him in his tracks? I dare say to you, sir, that's, that's the lazy man's way out to, to take the approach you just you gave us. I think if we really wanted to solve it and, and you you filled a, a hockey arena with the most brilliant minds in, in America or in the world for a week, I bet they'd come out of there at the end of the week with 50 solutions. We're pretty smart, folks. We, we do dumb things, but we're pretty damn smart. I don't think it's impossible to figure out how to rig schools and protect the schools and Find ways to do it. Now, if you're just too lazy to do it, then then that's on you. But the time for being lazy and making excuses and not doing anything is over because, you know, your kid could be next. And you're right. Th this country does love its guns. And, you know, the only way you get rid of the killing of guns is to get rid of all guns. And is that ever going to happen? Hell no. You could make it illegal to own a gun and the government could go door to door and go, give us your guns, give us your guns, give us. Do you think they're going to get all the guns? No. It's like anything in life. You, you can get anything you want in life if you sniff around for it. If you want prostitutes, if you want drugs, if you want knives, if you want guns, if you want whatever you want, you can find it. So, so just, you know, w w there's no going back now. You know, I mean, every country on the planet has murderers and killers and you can't stop them. And as far as all this FBI stuff and profiling and we, we should have seen the signs and if you see something, say so. That's all fine and dandy when you're looking in the rearview mirror. 
But humans are unpredictable. You don't know what they're thinking. You could have a guy that posts a thing on Facebook and says, I'm a school shooter and, and do it. And you could have a guy that sits in the back of the, the science class and never bats an eye and everyone thinks he's a quiet little nerd and he could show up one day. So even though I don't like the way the FBI and the police and all the authorities handled this because there was a million signs, they should have caught this guy. There's also, there's also whack jobs out there that don't have telltale signs. They're more clever. They're smarter. They're, they're more evil. They're more conniving. So you, you'll, you'll never get a handle on the human element of, of, of this deviant behavior. So, uh, listen, I'm a big fan of prayer. I agree with you when, when you say we should pray. I, I think we should pray. I believe in the power of prayer. But I also believe more in the, in the power of ingenuity and inventiveness and precautionary measures. And, and come on, man, don't, don't, don't undersell yourself here. We're human beings, man. You know, pick up a Rubik's Cube. You know, have you ever played with a Rubik's Cube? I bet you picked it up and go, man, I could never do this. You wiggle it around and you twitch the colors and you go, how the hell do people do this? I guarantee you, buddy, if you, if you were locked in a room for a week, if you were put in a jail cell for a week and they brought you your meals, you weren't tortured, it was you and the four walls, I bet you'd figure out how to do a Rubik's Cube in about a day, maybe in a few hours. That's just the way we're wired, man. We figure stuff out. So don't tell me that there's nothing we can do, that we can't stop the shooting and we can't stop the dust. You're right. We can't stop the people with the intent. We can't stop crazy people. We can never, it's like I just said, you can't figure people out. But now that we know the pattern, now that we know the way this is done, now that we know the approach these shooters have, now that we know they have a very simple in and out point, now that we know the size and the dimension of their target and how many windows and doors there are, it's not that hard. It's like being in a, in a rowboat with a hole in it and you find the hole and you plug it. Give us credit for being a lot smarter and uh, that, that's all I'm going to say about it. I rest my case. So maybe, you know, I'm not telling you how to think, my fine friend. Again, I do respect your call. And, and it's interesting at times like this when it, it seems so hopeless and it's so devastating and horrible and you, you, you're watching the parents cry and you see the pictures of the, of the beautiful children that were alive one day and gone the next. And you can get into that frame of mind. We just go, it's hopeless. There's nothing we can do. Let's just roll over. It's going to happen. Well... You know, all things can be altered. All things can be stopped. All things can change. It's very doable, man. And are you going to get every single one of them, even, even if you apply all this ingenuity that I'm talking about? Are you going to get every... Is it going to stop at 100%? Does anything stop 100%? No. But what if you could stop at 90% or 98%? I think that's doable, man. So food for thought. I appreciate your call. Excellent food for thought. I'm not lambasting you. I'm just, I'm just kind of counteracting your argument. And uh, I'd rather look on the side of hope and positivity and finding solutions and not just, you know, saying, ah, we're, we're done. It's going to keep happening. It is going to keep happening, but let's get smarter than these idiots. That's the other thing. These, these shooters are not the brightest bulbs on the trees, folks. I mean, did you see the, the kid that shot this school up? He lo it looks like Forrest Gump and, and Rain Man had sex at a Motel 6, and, and that was their dopey kid. I mean, this guy had the jug ears and he had freckled face and his eyes were like a bit too close together. It looked like he was staring off at a Ferris wheel somewhere in the distance. I mean, these, these wackos are not the brightest. And are you telling me that the, the most intelligent minds in the, in the country can't outwit a dummy like these idiots? He posted what he was going to do online. Well, hey, maybe, maybe they, they can outwit us. And we should all be ashamed that the authorities should be ashamed that a dumbbell like this outwitted him. He put it up there. 
He put it on social media and told everyone what he was going to do. And still no one got it. Well, people got it and they reported it, but the authorities were just like, whatever. It's probably just, well, times are changing, man. And now, you know, it, it, if, if, you, if you start saying stuff like that, if you start, uh, you know, sending out cryptic messages and broadcasting that you're a whack job, and I say throw them in an asylum, you know? I'm not that worried about one guy's rights versus the life, the life and death of, of innocent people. If some guy wants to be dumb enough to uh, do that stuff, lock him up for a while. Get, get, a, get him in a head brace and pour lemonade in his eyes or whatever you got to do. So there you go. There, there's my two cents worth, man. Thank you for your, your call. It certainly got me fired up. And uh, look, I'm not the only one upset about this. We all are, man. Can you imagine if that was your kid, your neighbor's kid, your brother's or sister's kid that they went off to school? 14, 15, 16 years old, they go off to school to... to to read a book and write on a chalkboard and tell a joke in the cafeteria and a and an M15 uh, sniper bullet rips through their fucking face and they're just laying on the floor bleeding and their their eye sockets been blasted out and their rib cage is blown open. Excuse me, this this was a school day. What? So let's not give up. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, it's just a, it's just a question of somebody getting off their ass and doing something. So there you go, buddy. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. If you, if you have any of uh, differing points of view, we love to hear from you. We love to get all fired up on all sides. Uh, the Harland highway hotline, three, two, three, seven, three, nine, four, three, three, zero. Do we, let's, let's switch gears. Do we have any other phone calls, Raj? Maybe we, maybe we got some more phone calls. Yeah. We got another one. Okay. Let's let, I'm at, this is fun. I like the debate. Let's, let's get another, uh, nice, serious, serious topic. And, uh, and let's debate it on a, a serious phone call. Let's play it, Raj. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hello, Harlan. It's been a while. It's Debbie from Arizona. And it's about that time when we need to hear a little bit of our Aunt Ruthie. You know, we love Aunt Ruthie, and I miss hearing her. So please, could you uh, take a call from her? And remember, I love you. Aw, I love you too, Debbie. Oh, I, lo- I love getting calls from Debbie. Isn't that it's just just to hear the I love you? It just warms the heart, man. Thank you, Debbie. Well, R- Roger said we had... Do we have a... Has Aunt Ruthie left any messages? Oh, she did. Roger's just shaking his head. You, you don't want to play it? Yeah, but Debbie asked so nicely that the whole I love you thing... I love you. And she loves Aunt Ruthie, too, man. I mean, we can't deny her. She she just loves Aunt Ruthie. We love Aunt Ruthie, and I miss hearing her. See, she misses hearing her, Raj. To stop shaking your head. If, they, if my listeners want to hear Aunt Ruthie's voicemail, I think they're entitled. And besides, uh, by the way, she said, please. Uh, Debbie clearly said, please. Please. What? Okay, that got him. That Rogers, Rogers finally given in. Good. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> Roger just gave in. I saw him in the booth. He's like, whatever. All right, good. Let's go ahead. We got a voicemail from Aunt Ruthie. Thank you for reminding us to check on that, Debbie. Here it is uh, from Rochester, New York. Uh, Aunt Ruthie's voicemail. Hello. Oh my God! Is this it? Is this a breaking? Hello, angel. Hello, little angel. Hello. Oh my God, angel! It's your aunt Ruthie calling. How are you? I'm calling from Rochester, New York. Oh my goodness! Oh my God! I hope you're okay. I miss you so much, little angel. With your little freckly face and your hair and you're down in the Hollywoods making your movies and your televisions. Oh, my God. We miss you so much, me and your Uncle Harry. 
And I just called to let you know I didn't want you to hear secondhand through the family. You know how everyone in the family likes to fucking talk all the time, Holland. I mean, oh my God, it's like it's like standing in a field with a bunch of you know woodchucks chewing on a stick. I mean, it's just that chitty chatter. It never stops. It's you know, it sounds like Uncle Harry's balls banging together when he's hanging off the side of a bunk bed. For Christ's sake! But I just wanted you to know that Uncle Harry's doing okay. You know, this horrible flu that's been going around this winter, darling. It's just been. Oh, my God, has been knocking everybody on the big hairy ass cheeks. And poor Uncle Harry sure as, uh, you know, Sinbad flies around on a dirty, stained carpet. I mean, your, your poor Uncle Harry, you know, he, 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 got, he got the uh, the virus, the bug, or whatever the hell you call it. And I don't know if he was, you know, you know fondling some doorknobs down at the delicatessen. You know how your Uncle Harry always likes to go down to Irv's Deli and pick up a... You know, a pastrami sandwich, and he, oh, Christ, he comes back, he sits in front of the television, and he just drools that fucking soggy meat that just hangs out of his mouth like he looks like a fucking hyena's been chewing on the throat of a baby zebra, for Christ's sake. And then, you know, he smiles, and it's not bad enough, his teeth are yellow, more, more yellow than... You know, uh, fucking uh, Jackie Chan's underwear. You know, I mean, Christ, it's unbelievable. Something's in my throat, Angel. And then he's got, you know, pastrami hanging out of his teeth. It looks like, you know, he was over at a werewolf's house eating fucking uh, karaoke sauce or something, for Christ's sake. And so anyways, I don't know if your uncle got the, the virus off the doorknob down at Earth's Deli or where the hell he got it, Angel. But, oh, my God, he was sick as a... Just as sick as a Chinese, uh, you know, onion farmer, for Christ's sake. I mean, your Uncle Harry was puking, and, you know, he had crust in his eyes. It looked like someone was baking apple crisp all over his fat fucking face. And, uh, oh, my God, he had one of the biggest movements I've ever seen, for God's sake. I mean, you know, I walked into the bathroom after him, and the old bastard forgot to flush. And I thought, good Christ, did a sea cucumber crawl up through the pipes? I mean, there was this big... It looked like, a, you know, somebody uh, soaked, uh, marinated a football in a, in a tub of, uh, you know, onion water, for Christ. I mean, this thing was, you know, lurking at the bottom of the toilet like a nurse shark on the Great Barrier Reef, you know, waiting for, a, you know, to, to, to attack a fish or something, Angel. I mean, you know, of course, I flushed the toilet and this giant sea cucumber your Uncle Harry laid like a fucking turtle egg. Well, of course, it clogged everything up, and now we we got water all over the floor in the bathroom, and your Uncle Harry's in his, you know, he's laying in bed, he's wheezing, and he's he's got, you know, crust on his face, and his, his skin's all pale. I mean, I, you know, if you, if you didn't know who he was, you'd think Casper the Friendly Ghost was, uh, you know, uh, pushing up daisies in our, uh, in our double queen-size angel. Oh, my God. It's it. So I didn't want you to hear from the rest of the family that your Uncle Harry was, you know, dying or on his way out or anything. You know, he's coming through it, Angel. And, uh, you know, he's been sneezing and he's been leaving Kleenex all over the house. I mean, there's a trail of Kleenex. It looks like a flock of seagulls came in here and shit all over the floor. There's just these little white patches all over the hardwood. It's unbelievable. It's like it's like walking through a jellyfish uh, landmine field or something, for Christ's sake. And, you know, Uncle Harry gets a little delirious when he's got the flu. You know, Angel, he's coughing and he's walking in the walls. And, oh, God, you just don't know what this idiot's going to do. And, of course, uh, you know, he walked into the kitchen and I, I, I came in there and he had, I guess he was burning up with a fever. And I go, Harry, what are you doing with your, your head in the fridge, for Christ's sake? Your Uncle Harry had was standing there with his pajama bottoms halfway down, his head in the fridge. And I said, Harry, get your stupid head out of the fridge, for Christ's sake. You're going to contaminate all the food. And, of course, you know, Uncle Harry pulls his he head out of the fridge. He turns around, and he's got a honey-glazed ham, so, you know, stuck in his face. 
I mean, this, you know, he's infected the food. I had to get the garden hose and wash out the fridge. And while I was at it, I, I hosed off your Uncle Harry. I mean, the crust on him. He, he looked like some kind of, you know, a baked apple cobbler, for Christ's sake, your Uncle Harry. And so anyways, Angel, I didn't want... By the way, do you remember when you were a little boy? Oh, my God, it brings tears to my eyes, Angel. Remember when you used to ask your Aunt Ruthie to make you some blueberry cobbler? Remember in the summer you'd spend all day outside playing with your little friends and picking flowers and throwing dog dirt at the other children and whatnot. And then you'd come in and you'd ask your Aunt Ruthie for her famous blueberry crumble. Do you remember that? And I never had blueberries, so what I'd do is I'd just get one of Uncle Harry's old socks, his blue one, I'd put it in the oven and cook it, and, well, anyways, we don't want to talk about that. I'll never forget when I, when I had to do the Heimlich maneuver, and a fucking men's sock came out of your little throat, Angel. Oh, my God, your Aunt Ruthie felt so bad. But anyways, I just wanted to let you know that your Uncle Harry's fine. I didn't want you to hear any of the gossip from all the other, you know, people in the family, you know how they go. They're like woodpeckers, you know, on a bald man's ass cheek, you know, just pecking away, making noise. And your Aunt Ruthie wanted to, you know, just hear your voice and set the record straight and just let you know that we love you, Angel. We miss you so much. When are you coming up to Rochester? Huh? Maybe we could go down to the lake. We could sit on the lake shore and throw breadcrumbs to the ducks or something. Or maybe, uh, you know, your Uncle Harry could uh, fart in a water fountain and see if he can blast a kid in the eye with, a, you know, a, an asquid or something. You know, whatever, Angel. Anyhow, I'm probably using up your answering machine, and you've got lots of things to do in Hollywood. So give us a call, Angel. Your Aunt Ruthie and your Uncle Harry love you. We hope we hear from you soon, Angel. Aunt Ruthie loves you. Goodbye, Aunt... Harry, Harry, get your head out of the fridge. No. Get your head out of the... Get those... Get those potatoes off your eyes. Stupid old... Goodbye, darling. Aunt Ruthie loves you. Get out of the fridge, Harry, you fucking... Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. There we go. That Well, maybe that's why we, Roger's hesitant to play Aunt Ruthie's voicemails. They're, they're always a little, a little colorful, shall we say. <whistles> Ruthie has a bit of a mouth on her, but uh, we love her. We, we, you know, she's such a sweet old, always checking in on me, always wondering how I'm doing down here in the Hollywoods, as she puts it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear a family member from back home. Always a treat. Always a treat. Um, let's uh, let's switch gears now. Let's move on to something else. And uh, I, I got to bring it back to the Oscars. Okay, remember remember last podcast we did the white trash Oscars, and I'm I'm sure they were more entertaining than the real Oscars. And guess what? I kind of called it, man. Right. The Oscars had its all-time record low, okay? All-time record low ratings. People did not tune in to the Oscars. Now, that's not the way it should be. As, as the Earth's population rises and there's more people on the planet, you'd think more people would put their eyes on the Oscars. Well, guess what? No. And I hope these idiots are learning. I hope they, they realize that they've lost their way. They've lost their focus. They've, they've lost viewers because they're not representing uh, acting and movies and, and film and writing anymore. It's, it's become, as I said on the last podcast, just, just an assault on, on people's sensibilities, their politics, their, their, their social points of view. And these morons think because they can, they throw on a, a a black tuxedo, and trim their hair and put on a, a fancy dress. And by the way, how's that Me Too uh, movement working? When when you got these girls showing up on the red carpet, like pretty much their clothes just barely hanging on their bodies. I mean, is is it just me or is that sending the wrong message? You know, the, 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 the awards uh, ceremonies are supposed to be about, you know, holding up women and not sexualizing women and 
And that's a great message, but uh, how effective is it when a lot of the people strutting down the red carpet for the cameras uh, are next to almost naked? And traditionally, that's been the way. I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting dressed up and putting on a, 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 a good, sexy outfit. But some of these things, man, it's like, you know, it's like a Band-Aid and a Kleenex. And so there's, there's so much contradiction with a lot of the politics and the social movements that go on with these Hollywood types and, the, and these award shows. And, and I, I just, I'm just saying, I love the industry. I love, I love movies. I've loved them my whole life. I, I, lo I love all the entertainment industry. But when you start losing sight of what it is you're selling, you know, if you open a, a lemonade stand and, you, and you're trying to sell the world's best lemonade... And people coming up for a nice cool drink on a hot day get lectured by the, the, the person selling them the lemonade, telling them how they should think, how they should feel, what kind of politics they should subscribe to. Guess what? You're not going to go to that lemonade stand anymore because that's not that's not what you wanted to buy. That's not what you you showed up for. And these pompous, you know, pretentious morons... Who, who claim to be the social and moral barometer of the planet are up there spewing how righteous they are. And meanwhile, you know, most of their movies deal with highly violent uh, subject matter, sex, corruption, evil, murder, guns, shooting, rape, you know, human mutilation... I mean, you name it, man. A lot of these movies uh, that get put out, they're very, uh, you know, very uh, free with using the N-word in them, which I think is just uh, disgusting. And just all kinds of stuff there where it's like, you know, stop preaching to us when you're kind of, uh, you're kind of the fuel for all the, the crazy stuff that happens in society. You're, you're kind of like, uh, you're making money off the back of all this stuff. So anyways, uh, I'm kind of glad they took a hit, you know? I hate to see the Oscars kind of sink, but in this situation, I, I do want to see them sink because I think that's what it takes some time. I th it's almost like the schoolyard bully. It's like the bully will just keep pushing his agenda, pushing his way on you until the nerdy kid punches him in the face and drops him to the pavement. He goes, oh, whoa. And he gets up and runs away and he rethinks his whole approach to life. He realizes may maybe uh, his way wasn't the right way. And I, I, hope the I hope the Oscars people go, holy smokes. Do you know, th th they, they dropped 20%. Okay, you don't think the sponsors are going to take notice of that? That 20% is huge. Like, you know, in, in the TV world, like 1, 2, 3% is huge. 20%? Uh-huh. So I hope this is like a punch to the gut, a kick to the balls to the Oscars. And they go, you know what? Next year, we're going to have a host, and we're going to direct that host, whether it be a man or a woman, and say, no political shit, no social shit. Tell jokes about the industry. Tell jokes about acting tell just tell jokes that every person sitting at home could laugh at if it's a joke about dogs or it's a joke about cars or it's about going to the mall or whatever it is why not make it a pleasant viewing experience for everyone so everyone can universally laugh be in on the joke and you're not feeling like you're being preached to or alienated or talked down to or whatever so I, I hope this is a good learning curve for these morons because it, it really is a cool, exciting uh, night, and, and I used to love watching it. And I think they've also got to rejigger the whole, uh, the whole um, selection process because, you know, they're putting up movies that probably less than 1% of the country are watching. You know, three billboards from Louisiana and Lady Angel and Johnny's got a fucking dildo and, you know, cry for me and who knows what else. Like, 
I didn't see any of these movies, and I'm a moviegoer. Like, I go to the movies all the time. So you might want to start creating categories like action-adventure, comedy, um, you know, you know, movies that people are seeing. And, you know, best uh, superhero movie. Like, you've got to start creating categories that apply to what the viewing audience is going to. You can't just keep... Uh, putting these boutique movies up because people can't relate to your show. You, you, you're basically uh, saying, hey, here's an award for something none of you have seen. And are we supposed to be excited about that? Are we supposed to be like all charged up? You know, in a, in a country of, of, of 350 million people, like 12 million people saw the movie? Like these guys are are clueless, man. They they better get they better get with it. It's like they're they're living in another time, man. And the approach they're taking and the way they're doing it, they 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 ought to they ought to clean house, get all the weasels running the Oscars and just going, hey guys, you know what? We're in a rut. We're not doing things the right way. We're letting all of you go, and let's bring in a whole new team of people that are forward thinking, like me. Yeah, why don't they get me to come in? Me. I'll sort it out. I'll even host the damn thing. I I could make that thing funny as hell. I could make that thing funny. I could make it palatable. I could make it inclusive. I could make it so everyone had a great time and just laughed their butt off and were entertained. Yeah, I may sound a little cocky, but I'll tell you what, I could do better than what they're they're getting. Now, I don't think they're going to come knocking on my door to do it, but I'm telling you, man, I've, I've hosted some award shows before, and I, I can do it with my eyes closed. And I can, I can do it well. But these guys, they go for the big hitters, the big A-listers. But just because they're, they're, they're big on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the celebrity meter doesn't mean they're great. You know what I mean? It's like find, find people that are good at the job. Don't find people like Doogie Hauser. Didn't that guy host the, uh, the the awards recently? Like, really, Doogie Hauser? That's that's the guy we're going to for our. He's the funniest, most clever guy in the world. Doogie Hauser. Like, uh, good lord! Like, come on, man! Ay, 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 ay. So there you go. You got what you deserve, Oscars. I hope you learned your lesson and. Uh, Get your ass in gear, you dumbos. <laughs> oh, that's what I love about my podcast. I just get to let it fly, man. <laughs> just let it all out, baby. But seriously, I, I, I want it to be good. I want it to come back, but they, they've got to modernize it. They've got to update it. They've got to start including all kinds of movies, the movies that people are going to see. And they should create new fun categories and, you know, like... Like uh, sexiest woman, sexiest man, you know, um, funniest actor, you know, most dramatic. I don't know. It's not my job to rethink it, but you, you know what I'm going for here. So there you go. Uh, wake up and smell the bacon, Oscar. Because, um, you know, in the future, I'm just going to turn on Sesame Street and watch Oscar the Grouch. That's more fun. And, you know, maybe next year we'll do the White Trash Oscars again. I think they went over really big this year, and they were a lot of fun. If, for those of you that liked the White Trash Oscars, let me know. Let me know if you want to do that again next year because, man, I was laughing. There, there were some real winners at the Harlan Highway White Trash Oscars. Uh, let me know, 323 uh, you can let me know if you like the White Trash Oscars, or you can let me know about anything, even if you disagree with me. Um, there you go, 323-739-4330. That's the number, and you can also find that number at, um, at uh, harlandwilliams.com, okay? All right, Raj, let's, uh, let's shift gears one more time before we close the show, and uh, I want to... Do uh, what? Who? No way. Oh, uh, Dr. Rutherford Grimes is he's calling in. Oh, wow. You, you, you heard the bit. 
Oh, wow, this is interesting. Oh, we love this guy. Dr. Rutherford Grimes is a uh, professor of, uh, of uh, I guess you'd say, sociology, and he uh, he's a professor who, uh, who studies a black culture, black heritage, and just overall uh, culture in, in North America. And he's up at Berkeley, right? Professor up at Berkeley? Great, let's have him on, man. We're going to patch him through. We always have a very great, stimulating conversation with uh, Dr. Rutherford Grimes. He's very insightful. And, and, you know, I was trying to tap into the sociology and the the uh, psychology of the Oscars here. But I think this guy's, I, I'm just rambling. But, but Dr. Rutherford Grimes from Berkeley, this guy, I mean, this is a trained uh, specialist. This is a guy with a degree, a diploma. I think if anyone can, can kind of tell us what this kind of shift is or whatever we're witnessing in, in, uh, in people's viewing habits, he can do it. All right, perfect. Let's put him through. Uh, hello, Dr. Uh, Dr. Grimes. How are you, sir? Uh, hello, Mr. Williams. Uh, how are you today? It's uh, great to be uh, talking to you uh, once again, sir. Yes, uh, P- Professor Grimes. Unbelievable. Thank you for, uh, for calling us. Uh, this is unexpected, but... Uh, well, you know, this is a very important, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, it's a, a window into the social consciousness of, of the United States of America and and people and, and uh, how they see uh, society, civil society. Well, that's, that's kind of what I was touching on, uh, Professor Grimes, and... Uh, you know, I, I wonder if you could give us your assessment. The Oscars hit an all-time low, and uh, if, if you could kind of like uh, take t- you know map us through why you think people kind of turn their backs on this event. Well, you, you know, there's, there's a barometer out there, Mr. Williams, and, and I think we saw the warning signs coming. Uh, you know, as a as a person uh, of color. Uh, and, and a professor of uh, black uh, culture and uh, black uh, social, uh, social, uh, you know, social things. Okay. Uh, I, I, I noticed uh, very early on in the Oscar uh, season, uh, the, the build-up to the Oscar, if you will. Okay, right. Uh, there's a, there's a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, African-American uh, actor. Now, this is a gentleman, uh, we all know him. We all love him, Mr. Williams. Uh, he's been, he won Oscars many times. He's been nominated many times. Showed up in, in many, many prominent uh, American films. Most recently, uh, he was uh, one of the cast members of the Black Panther movie, a, a highly successful movie. Of course, the Black Panther movie. Now, a full disclosure: I wasn't a fan of the movie, uh, sir, but uh, but it, it it did phenomenal, and maybe even like I was saying earlier, like movies like that, the movies that people are seeing should get a mention at the Oscars. Well, well, I see where you're, where you're going with that, Mr. Wim, and I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, but the gentleman, if I could just get back to uh, who I was referencing. Of course, I, did, I didn't mean to stray off topic. Uh, uh, professor, uh, the the actor who uh, we saw in the Black Panther movie, a uh, uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful actor. As I said, we we all know this man, uh, Mr. Forrest Whitaker, Mr. Williams. Do you know Mr. Forrest Whitaker? Absolutely. I mean, Forrest Whitaker. That guy's. He's been in everything from Good Morning Vietnam to uh, the Black Panther movie to I mean just. You name it, this guy's uh, been everywhere. Uh, absolutely, Mr. Williams. And, and, and one thing you notice about Forrest Whitaker, uh, his left eye, uh, it dingled down. I'm sorry, sir? Uh, Forrest Whitaker's left eye dingled down. It, it hang, it drooped like the, like the mouth of a, of a basset hound. You ever see a basset hound, Mr. Williams? You, you, the dog, right? Yeah, that they got that the, the jowl that that they droop down, they hang real low, Mr. Williams, real low. Okay, yeah, that they, they have a droopy face. And Forrest Whitaker left eye, uh, that thing it just drooped down. It it come down over his eyeball like a like a velvet curtain at the theater coming down on the stage. You know what I'm saying? You ever see a play, Mr. Williams? Yeah, I've been to the, the theater plays. And at the end of the play, everyone take the curtain call, and that, that beautiful red or blue velvet curtain just slowly come down on the stage, and everyone get hidden behind it. 
Yes, yes, like the curtain call. And and that's what forced Whitaker's left eye. That he got that meat flap. He got that that meat flap. It, it looked like a gyros or something. You ever had a gyros, Mr. Williams? Well, yeah, the thing in the pita bread. Yeah, just like that, Mr. Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker left eye like a like a freshly cooked pita, just drooping over his eye. And okay, well, where are we going with this? You keep talking about Forrest Whitaker's left eye. We we realize it's he's got an imperfection there. Obviously, I I hope you're not making fun of it. Uh, Mr. Williams, of course not. A respected actor like Forrest Whitaker. Uh, you know, I don't know why his eye do what it do, Mr. Williams. I don't know why his eye got an extra flap, like a butterfly wing, you know, just like folding down over his cornea, his iris, and just flap on that. Okay, so, Professor, we, we, we get the reference. He's got a bit of a deviation on his left eye. Okay. And what, what what I study is I watch Forrest Whitaker in, in popular media, Mr. Wood. I, I follow him on TMZ. I follow his interviews. And I always use his left eye as a barometer. Well, what do you mean a barometer, sir? Well, I noticed that the lower his left eye hang, you know, like you ever see a, a drain pipe or a, an eaves trap, Mr. Williams, on the edge of an old house, you know, where the, it catch the rain and the rain flow down the eaves trough? Okay, what's that got to do with his left eye? Well, you ever see an eavesdropping it hanging and drooping down? And, and that's what Forrest Whitaker, every time his, his, the lower his left eye got to go, you know, like that rain got a uh, meat flap on, his, on top of his eye. Sir, if you, if you could just stop referring to his eye, I mean, good Lord. Well, Miss, Mr. William, look, I'm just, I'm just trying to paint a picture for your audience here. Well, we we get it, sir. Yes, uh, you're you're trying to imply that that that, that the lower uh, Forrest Whitaker's eye flap is hanging. Uh, right, the lower the rating for the Oscar happening. Now you see, these two don't just coincide co coincidentally, Mr. Williams. I mean, there is a direct correlation between the, uh, the the meat flap hanging on Forrest Whitaker's eye, and the lower it get, the lower the rating on the Oscars get. You see what I'm saying? Well, that, that's a bit far-fetched, sir. I mean, how do you gauge, uh, you know, the, 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 the consciousness of society and, and television viewers with, with a man's eye hanging down? Well, Mr. Williams, you know, one of us has a diploma on his wall for this matter, and one of us is what we call a podcast host. Now, which one of us has a diploma? Well, okay, you do, sir, but I, I just, I find that this is a very odd way of, of gauging things, and... Well, you know, call it odd, call it, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, abnormal, if you will, but, uh, you know, it, it works, Mr. Williams, and I've been watching Forrest Whitaker's left eye, and I'm telling you, you know, I knew we were in trouble probably uh, just around uh, November of last year. I saw Forrest Whitaker on one of the late-night talk shows, Mr. Williams, and uh, I think I saw his eye actually move while he was talking. I saw it droop a little lower. Like, you ever drain water out of your kitchen sink? Okay. Or your bathtub, you can see the water going down when you pull the plug? Right. Well, I swear I saw his the, the meat flap on his left eye uh, start to sag, you know, lower. It started to go lower down, lower, just dripping down. And, and I was like, oh, boy, Lord Jesus, here go the Oscars. Come on, Professor. This is just... Uh, are, you, are you kidding me? Well, you know, Mr. Williams, uh, you know, if you, if you want to come up to Berkeley and attend uh, some of my classes, I'm, I'm, I'm extending the welcome to you. It sounds like I'm detecting some sarcasm and so, some doubt, but, uh, uh, you know, doubt not the man who uh, does the research. Okay, well, yeah. so this, this is how we do it. This is how... How from now on we're going to determine television ratings from Forrest Whitaker's left eye. 
Well, not just television ratings, Mr. Williams. Uh, you know, there's a lot we can learn from Forrest Whitaker's left eye. I mean, uh, you know, they got that event down in uh, out in Pennsylvania. Remember, they call it Hedgehog Day. Not, not had Groundhog Day, sir. Uh, that, that's right, the Groundhog Day, and uh, they say that when the groundhog come up out the ground, uh, if you can see its shadow, it's going to be a long, long as winter problem, my friend, <laughs> Mr. Williams. Uh, well, okay, yes. So I say, uh, you know, you can also determine things uh, depending on how far down the meat flap, the big, like, gyro style, almost like a like a honey-fried pork chop, just sliding down over Forrest Whitaker's... Okay, sir, you know, honey, f- f- pork chops, I, I think we're done here. I, I thank you for your call. And, uh, well, you know, I knew you were going to end this phone call, Mr. Williams, because... How did you know that? Because I'm looking on online right now at Forrest Whitaker, and he's doing some press and media, and his eye is starting to do... There it goes. It's, it's sagging down like, like ice cream, dripping down the side of an ice cream cone, just slowly crawling down. And I knew you were going to end this interview because... All right, goodbye. Good God. You know, I forgot that guy was obsessed with Forrest Whitaker's left eye, Roger. Here, I, th- I think we're going to have a, an interesting, uh, smart discussion about what I was talking about with the Oscars. And and we get... Is he gone? Good. I'm, I'm thinking, here we go. We'll have, a, we'll have an educated person uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, adding on to what I started. Because as I said, I'm, I'm not the professor on this. I'm not the genius on how all this stuff works. But uh, just, I don't know, just very odd, very odd. Uh, anyways, let's, let's wrap it up. I think we got to end the show after that. That was just weird. Um, let's do a few announcements before we go, and uh, we'll wrap it all up. All right, so what do we got going? Let's see, I got some stand-up comedy dates coming up here. Let's see, what do we have? Uh, Denver, where are you, Denver, Colorado? Oh, Denver, Colorado. Um, Hey, uh, Denver, I'm going to be in your beautiful city, the Mile High City. Play it. When I get there, it's two miles high, bro. Um, be there, uh, in, uh, let's see, uh, March 23rd and 24th for the weekend at the Comedy Works in, uh, Denver. I think it's the Uptown Club. It's not the club that's right downtown, but it's at the other club that's, uh, a little bit northeast, south, or west. I don't know the city well enough to know which way. So it's one of those four. It's either north, seath, southeast, or west. You'll, you'll figure it out. Comedy Works, Denver, Colorado, March 23rd and 24th. Great club. I just love going there and uh, come on out. And then uh, in April, the beginning of April, April uh, 5th, to April 7th, I will be at the uh, Mohegan Sun Casino. That's out near uh, Hartford, Connecticut, the Mohegan Sun Casino. It's called Comics, C-O-M-I-X. Great club. Uh, I was there last year, too, and uh, just a blast. The Comics Casino in... uh, in uh, in uh, just outside of Hartford, Connecticut. So uh, get your tickets online for those uh, those dates at harlanwilliams.com. And uh, look forward to seeing all you comedy fans out at the shows. Uh, what else is going on? Don't forget to tune in to Puppy Dog Pals if you got the kids. My uh, Disney Junior animated show. Uh, people are just loving it. All the t- tons of toys. Uh, like I said, I started a new Twitter page just for the Puppy Dog Pal fans. It's called at uh, Puppy Pals Bob. And uh, if you want to join up and share pictures and videos and stories with with other Puppy Dog Pal fans, that's the place to go at Puppy Dog Pals at Puppy Pals Bob at on uh, Twitter. And thank you for watching the show. Uh, everyone's loving it, and I'm loving doing it. And we're having a blast, and we're getting ready for season two coming out later in the year. Oh, my God, so exciting. Uh, still working away on my Caramel Corn the Pug comedy special. We're wrapping it up. I know it's taking a little bit of time, but uh, 
Hopefully, I'll have an announcement for that. Um, that's the stand up, my next con- stand up comedy special where I did the whole thing as a dog. I don't think anyone's done a comedy special as a dog. It's a lot of fun, and I'll let you know when that drops very soon. We're, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close, so hang in there, gang. Um, also, uh, check out harlemwilliams.com. We have a great store with all kinds of cool merchandise in the store. You can order it, and we'll send it out to you ASAP. Uh, also, while you're at harlemwilliams.com, don't forget there's a contact link there. If you want to write me an email, I read them all. You can write about whatever you want, and I might read it on the show. Uh, and you can also leave a voicemail uh, at, uh, at the Harland Highway hotline, and I might play your voicemail, 323-739-4330. And uh, that's 323-739-4330. That number is at the website, harlemwilliams.com. So, uh, you know, get there. Also, get our free app for your phone so you can listen to us wherever you want. It's absolutely free. Just go to your app store, type in the Harland Highway, boom, download it, and you are good to go. And if you want to get uh, if you want to get our premium access, that's $20 a year. That's a totally different thing. But if you want to hear every single episode of the podcast we've ever done, and we're almost at 1,000, Unbelievable. Um, you can become a premium member uh, by joining uh, our premium membership. And also you get uh, special bonus features that I post from time to time. And it's stuff that no one else gets to hear, just you guys. Or sometimes they do get to hear it, but you get it first. You get it way ahead of the regular listeners because you're premium members. And I, I treat you special. Uh, so it's a lot of entertainment for $20. I hope you uh, you get on there and it helps support the uh, the podcast. Also, we have a new feature at my web page, harlowilliams.com. There's the Hi- Harland Highway toll booth, where if you're so inclined to donate uh, a few little shekels to help our overhead here at the podcast, uh, that's awesome. Um, you just click on and you can donate a dollar. You can donate a million dollars, which I encourage. I always encourage a million dollars. And, uh, and yeah, man, you can, uh, you can help out the cause. We appreciate it. Everybody who's donated, thank you so far. And uh, much respect and gratitude. And uh, that's it, man. That's all we got for today. It was a busy show. We had a lot going on. Aunt Ruthie, Professor Rutherford Grimes, gun control. I mean, holy jump in the Oscars. What the hell? So uh, catch us next time. And thank you for being here. And uh, don't forget, I love you. I love you. And chicken chow mein, baby. You know, it sounds like Uncle Harry's balls banging together when he's hanging off the side of a bunk bed, for Christ's sake.